Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. everybody we're here with our big 12 previews of the bowl games uh today we're here with kindle i'm here and colin hey guys and i'm Corey, your uh, i guess host de facto host whatever you want to call me uh brady is not here today hallelujah and we still have no jock strap he's yeah. still out of town m.i.a so uh oh i guess he's back though isn't he yeah but he's probably out this morning <laughs> nba hangover rough yeah. rough day yeah nba basketball um, so today we're going to kind of dive into the uh, Oklahoma State Colorado game and the Georgia TCU game, which I'm expecting some interesting stuff on that one because <laughs> I don't know if anybody really has a good feel in that game. Um, we'll get into some of the gifts these players are getting and some of that. Um, you guys have any? You know, I don't know. Did you guys get to watch any bowl games or anything over the break? I know we haven't. We've been off what three or four days, something like that. I watched uh, a little bit. Not, I mean, I, I wasn't able to really sit down and watch the entire game. It seemed like I always had a go some, to a family member's house where we had to do something. So it was kind of hard to sit down and watch an entire bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to bring on today's game, which <clears throat> to, today is December 26th. I, I heard on the way out here, there's literally not a single team playing today that has a winning record. Yeah, it's pretty games. bad. Yeah, that I saw that. speaks to the bowl system that's currently in place. Yeah. And, 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 bowls. To, and the thing I think they have too, like, I don't know, you guys, maybe I'm dreaming this up, but didn't it seem like when we were younger – when we had, I don't know, 20-something bowl games or whatever, that it was like by the time of year you played was more prevalent you were. Like if you played January 1st, you were one of the better teams. Doesn't it seem like that's kind of gone away now yes. to some degree? Like you've had a lot better teams sometimes playing. Like Tulsa was 10-3, and three, and they were playing, what, a week ago? Well, I mean – On a Monday afternoon at yeah. 2.30. And then now you've got today where they're like nobody's playing with the crap. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, just look at the the, the game we talked about here probably first is the Oklahoma State-Colorado game. you got two top 12 teams going. Yeah. You know, and, and then some of the other bowl games after that are mm-hmm. way less, you know, quality of talent. Yep. So, it's you're right. It, it has changed a lot. I think they basically just plug them in wherever they can to find a TV spot. Yeah, it's probably that. I don't know. I think some of it, they feel like some of them will be better matchups than others. Um, I think a lot of people kind of call it – I know I did. I think a lot of people kind of saw, like, for instance, the Tulsa-CMU game coming. Like, it was going to be – probably a blowout but for the most part i don't know i just haven't seen anything that really lines up to some kind of a steady system it's just kind of plug and play wherever they want to put them so um christmas do you guys get anything good for christmas no anything you can share publicly uh, i i bought a bunch of good stuff <laughs> i don't think i got anything <laughs> yeah I, I bought a lot of good stuff also <laughs> yeah i stayed up late building things <laughs> yeah 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 I got off pretty easy this year. So we got a TP that took me like 30 seconds to build. That's about it. Kaylee's trying to carry on her Native American history, I think. Huh. Got her a TP with some, some poles and all that stuff. So, But, um, yeah, sorry. I hit that. I didn't mean to hit that. Corey with the baseline. Yep. Mm. Um, okay, we'll dive into this one real quick. Uh, go, we'll start off with Oklahoma State-Colorado game since it's on first. Um, this one, let me get to the right page here. This one is 12-29. It's at 8 p.m. Central Time, so pretty much everybody listening should be Central Time. Uh, 51% chance to Colorado advantage. <clears throat> That's, I guess, basically called a coin flip. It don't get a whole lot closer than that. Um, what's the fit? What's the line on this? Uh, three. Down? Three, yeah, okay. Colorado by three. Colorado by three. Um, your leading, kind of your leading statisticians here, Lufau, the quarterback for Colorado. He's uh, about 182 for 20, 290 with 2,000 yards, 11 TDs, six interceptions. 
Rudolph much more efficient. Gets a lot more. You get a lot more on Rudolph. He's got 3,700 yards, 25 TDs, and four interceptions. I I kind of think that's going to play out to some degree here. I don't think if Colorado has to get into a passing situation, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. Yeah. I just I just don't see it. They don't have the players outside that OSU does. Um, if they can if they can kind of keep it as a rushing game, I think they, they they can have a shot. But I don't know. We'll see who's more balanced in that situation. Colorado is definitely more run heavy. Um, you kind of you guys. You, I mean, you guys are the OSU guys. So I'll put it up to you. You guys probably know more about this game than I do. What do you guys think about it? Well. Just from a gambler's point of view, real quick, the, the over under on this just kind of surprised me. It's only sixty two and yeah, a half. I saw that, yeah. Which I mean, I, I really, I really thought it would be, you know, in the seventies. I kind of expect Oklahoma State to put up like forty five points in this game. I, I'm kind of with you. So that, I mean, if I was a betting guy, that might be the line that I'd be trying to touch on is the over in this game. But uh, yeah, I, re- I really think. Have we heard about Lufau? I mean, have we heard any new? I, I haven't really heard anything new on him. I, I just watched him in that big, big. Uh, sorry, the uh, Pac twelve championship game. And he just didn't look very good. No, he, I, I read he was healthy. <coughs> yeah, and good well, to go. I mean, he would have to improve a lot because I mean, he yeah. he could barely walk in that game. So I mean, I mean, for the kid's sake, I hope he is doing better. But if he comes in there banged up, or if OSU is able to get to him early and bang him up a little bit, it's going to be a long day for Colorado. Not to go against Colin, just the few things I've seen. Everything I've seen is he's healthy enough to play. Basically, like they're saying he's going to play, but. I haven't heard anything about saying he's 100. percent I will, I will I say did, that what I read it didn't say he was 100. percent Just said he was healthy. Yeah. Well, I will say this about the kid. He's he's he reminds me of Mahomes as far as he he don't give up and he'll get out there and battle his butt off. Oh, I mean, he, he he gets right back up <clears> and gets back in the huddle, even limping or whatever he's got to do to get back in. I the kid's tough as hell. I mean, there's no doubt. But I just don't know can he be effective because part of their game is if he can run a little bit and, and help the run game out a little bit. That's when they're really really good. If he can't do that in this game, I really don't know how much they're going to be able to score on Oklahoma State. Well, mm-hmm. isn't it every game that he's finished or played the majority of the game they've won? Right. If he's missed any time in the game, he, they've lost. Right. Yeah. He to me, you know, and on the other side, their secondary is really good, but I I don't know how much they've been challenged this year though. That's to me, that's the biggest thing is they are very good, but how good are they? I don't I don't know if they've lined up against three or four good wide receivers like Oklahoma State's going to put out there. I mean, Washington is. Typically, your 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 heavy guy as far as you know most explosive guy, but they're two and three with McCleskey and them. They're they're very good too. I don't know mm-hmm. how well they they going to cover the two and three receiver. I think they got enough guys to cover you know Washington, put someone over him. But I, I don't. That's the part to me. To me, that's going to be the part of the game to where if Oklahoma State is able to pull this thing out, that's going to be where they're going to get it from the second and third receiver. Yeah, now, their secondary's played well as a unit this year. <clears throat> kind of like, kind of reminds me a little bit of West Virginia. I don't really consider anybody out there just absolute spectacular, but they play really good as a unit. I don't think anybody stressed them, kind of like you're saying, with as many weapons as Oklahoma State's going to throw at them. Like they don't have, I mean, think about it, the best offense they've probably seen all year is Washington. And not taking anything from Washington, they have good good players and everything, but they're more of a, I don't know, what do you call it, more like a pro style offense right. than what OSU runs. Um, I don't, there's nobody that's really stretched them to the boundary like they're going to. And made them cover so much space that it's going to just spin their heads. So I don't, I they, definitely they haven't seen anything like OSU. I can definitely say that uh, on their schedule. The closest, the most powerful thing with athletes and everything probably would have been USC. But to my knowledge, they didn't even play this year. So because I think if I remember right, they were saying that would oh, have been they the played, first time. Yeah, USC beat them. They play them. Okay. Oh, that's right. Was that at the end of the year? USC beat them. Um, let's see here. The score was uh, 21-17. When, when was it? Played, Week six. Though? Week six. Okay, so that was kind of about when USC started rolling. Yeah, that's about when they brought the freshman quarterback. To okay. Over. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I still, I was still thinking like USC now, and they weren't th- that then. So. No. 
<clears throat> yeah, I don't. I don't think um, Colorado's going to have seen anything like this. I mean, they, they'll see some speed that was, that USC had, but not like this. Well, they played a you know they played Washington State, which is somewhat. I mean, kind of a comparable offensive scheme, not entirely, but you know the spread offense, the mm-hmm. throwing it all over the place. Uh, I'd say OSU definitely has better athletes than, than well, Washington State. OSU but, definitely makes you respect the run game a lot yeah, more too. Yes. Like they don't. Even when OSU wasn't running the ball that well, they were running more than Washington State does. I mean, Leach. I mean, he's anti-run. He told Holgerson he was losing his card for the being in his tree or whatever for running the ball as much as he does. So, you know, I don't know. I to me, I, I think I just see more of a mismatch than a lot of people do in this game. I think Colorado plays really good as a team. They're really solid together. But I'm telling you, they have not seen people that are stressed them like this now. On offensive side of it versus OSU's defensive side of it, they have contended with some really good defensive lines in the Pac-12. Yes. Especially like Washington, USC has a pretty good one. Um, but I don't know. To me, I think in my honest assessment of it, I think OSU can kind of hold them down in the passing game. I don't think they're going to be – OSU's seen more than they're going to throw at them, put it that way. Like I think they're going to be a little more prepared for it. Um, you know, it's Neither one of these defenses just absolutely blow me away, put it that way. Like I don't think either one of them is just absolutely going to go out there and rack shot. But um, I think they can hold them down a little more. I think, they, I think OSU's had to contend with a little more – power and speed and, and passing game consistently than what Colorado's going to throw at him. And I think OSU's offense is going to force Colorado to play that game a little bit. I don't see how Colorado's going to be able to just sit and run the ball. I don't think they'll keep up that way. And, you know, and that, that's kind of Colorado's game is whenever they can run the ball, play action, get the quarterback out of the pocket, let him run a little bit, do some design runs. If, if Oklahoma State is able to get up, you know, a couple of touchdowns, that, that changes their mentality real quick. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they have to go to a different kind of ball game that is not necessarily their type of game. Yeah. It sounds like OSU from 2008. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, to me, Colorado, their quarterback isn't – I mean, I think he's good. He's solid. But I don't know. I feel like he's a little bit overrated. I, don't, I hate to say that because I haven't seen him more than about four or five times this year. But I, I don't know. I, if I had watched him all year, I could feel a little more confident in saying it. But what I have seen of him, I don't – I just I think he's a little bit overrated. I think he's a good cog for them. Like, they need him, obviously. I mean, most people do need their starting quarterbacks. But – I just don't – I don't think he's going to absolutely just go out there and tear OSU apart. Um, to me, if they're going to do it, it's going to have to be somewhat um, – I don't want to say tricking plays. Um, they're going to have to do, like, some misdirection in the run game, some things like that, some things that OSU doesn't see a whole lot, um, you know, some real bad cutbacks and things like that. And I think if you're going to beat OSU with what I know Colorado has, it's probably going to be more underneath than over the top probably kind of in between the linebackers yes. and stuff like that. So Totally agree with that. <clears throat> I don't think they're going to beat them as, as much over the top. Um, real quickly, we'll play uh, – this is uh, Campus Insiders, their preview of the game, what they think of it. I'm hoping that's what this is. It should be. So get ready. <laughs> the Alamo Bowl is set. Oklahoma State will take on Colorado. And we got a preview. It's Bonanza only on Campus Insiders. Let's start with the Cowboys and their X Factor. It's a combo one-two punch. Quarterback Mason Rudolph to wide receiver James Washington. One of the most exciting combos in college football. Mason Rudolph, he's an NFL caliber talent and doesn't get the respect he deserves. For the Buffaloes, their X Factor, quarterback Sefu Lufau. The senior leader has been a steadying force for a balanced and efficient offense. With the time off, I expect a fully healthy Lufau looking to put the Pac-12 championship game performance behind him. A dual threat gamer that makes plays, especially in the red zone. My prediction in this one, I'm going with Colorado. A lot of people have jumped off the bandwagon, but let's not forget, they kept it close in that first half versus Washington, and then they let it get away from them. I expect an inspired performance from this defense. Colorado gets it done. Check out all our previews and predictions throughout the 2016 Bulls. Okay. Anybody else feel like that prediction was out of left field? 
After well, he, I don't know, like I don't know how you justify it by saying that they played with somebody for one half. Well, but to me, are you going with the moral victory there? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, nothing is. I, I, I don't know if Lufau can be 100 percent healthy. He's saying he's saying he's going to be 100 percent healthy. I mean, if you watch him in that Pac-12 championship game, he could barely walk. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like he was sore or anything. I mean, he could barely walk back to the huddle. And, and he took some shots the week before that in the Utah game mm-hmm. too. A lot of people don't. Rec- I mean, they see that's another thing I find very interesting in this. Colorado hasn't been the best with the ball at times, especially here late in the year. They've they've given up some turnovers. I'm telling you, if you do that at all at Oklahoma State, they're going to kill you. Well, and one next factor we haven't even mentioned yet is Jim Levitt leaving. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch their defense throughout the year, I watched Colorado play about four or five times. They feed off his energy. I mean, he's like one of those fiery type guys who high fives, you know, gets in the player's face, gets them pumped up. He's gone now, and so I mean, when you're on defense, you know, a lot of that's emotion, like. When you go up to hit somebody, your emotion, and he kind of is the, the driving force in that over the past, you know, this whole season. He's, like, been the guy that gets the whole tire defense up. So, mm-hmm. with that gone, how how are they going to play? I mean, is he definitely you know, not coaching the game? I, I already wasn't. Yeah, okay. what I've heard, he's not. Okay, I, I remember saying that he was going to take the job, but I don't remember reading that he wasn't going to coach the game. Okay, so, yeah, that definitely is important. I mean, people kind of underplay that with the coordinators. And I've seen times where it worked where it hasn't. I mean – it's killed some teams in, in games and, and hurt and been fine with others. So, um, I mean, it's, to me, it would be I think it'd be harder if it was an offensive coordinator leaving compared to a defensive coordinator, right. just because from the play calling aspect. Yeah, you would think you would think they would have somebody there that's kind of you know linebacker coach or something. Yeah, uh, you know, you're familiar with the defensive scheme and everything. Mm-hmm. You can well, yeah, but it's also one of those things too where if you call the blitz at the wrong time, yes, or something like that, all of a sudden you got a screen pass going for you know 85 yards, slanting so one yeah, way and they're going the yeah, other way. Exactly. I mean, so I mean, I think that sometimes defense coordinators don't get enough credit for calling the right play at the right time. To, you know, if you call if you call a dumb play. It's going, you, it's going a long ways. See, I think that could be part of it, too. I think it could show up more in the game plan. Like, I think Colorado, maybe their coaches could adjust by, say, third quarter or something, but are they out of the game at that point? Like, how well did they do in the three weeks, the four weeks they had leading up to this game without him there? And if you're Colorado, I don't know. This is something I've always wondered, and I never had a coach to ask. If you got a guy leaving, do you call him up and say, here, here's an upload of Oklahoma State's film. You know, what do you see here? Or do you think that's kind of a – um, taboo, I guess, for lack of better terms. You mean talking like the about them going to I say they would call Levitt and say, here's Oklahoma State's film. I know you're starting this, but can you give us an hour on it and tell us what you think? You know, is that something you guys would ever try to do? Do you think that's taboo? Do you think it's I, ever happened? I don't see any problem with it. I don't see any problem with it. I mean, it's not like he's hurting two foes. I mean, he's helping the school that was paying him. And, and second of all, he's not, he's not hurting Oregon by helping Colorado. I mean, if anything – if the Pac-12 wins the ball game, it only helps Oregon to me. And and you know, as far as the Pac-12 looking better, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, so it doesn't like hurt Oregon or anything by him helping Colorado. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if I'm the Oregon coach that hired him, I want his butt out there on the recruiting trail. I don't want him helping, which is where he should be. Know. Yeah. Well, we're in a dead period right now, but it, it seems yeah. like we had this come up a number of years ago where someone was hired off from a coordinator position was hired to be a head coach somewhere, and they were saying, look. I have an hour where I'm going to close my door and I'm going to work for my previous team basically to help them with their bowl it preparation. It was Kirby Smart. Right. Now that you mentioned that, I remember And then that afterwards, that. as soon as that door's open, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm all business. Right. Yeah, Kirby Smart did that with, with Georgia and Alabama. I remember that now that you said that. So well, I, don't, I don't think that's a, as big a deal as it could be let on to be. Okay. Well, Go ahead. Might depend too, uh, like if you like your previous employer. Like, I mean, right. if you if you like the head <laughs> yeah, coach that you're – I mean, if, if you're like uh, Lane Kiffin, you might, you know – if you and Nick Saban are having problems, you might not really yeah. care to help him out at all. Yeah. But, but you know, if he really likes McIntyre, he might give the effort to do that, mm-hmm. you know. 
some degree, though, on that, I know it's kind of a off topic, but to some degree, you kind of feel like Clint Kiffin owes Nick Saban, and you think he would think that. To some degree. I realize that they didn't have the best thing there, but he t- people, I don't think people really truly understand where, where Kiffin was when Saban brought him in. He was basically deemed untouchable. Nobody right. wanted him. No, I agree. Um, I mean, it was a bad look the way he got fired, and then some of the things he put out on social media after that. And it, which I can't blame him for. I mean, I, I'm in, a pain in the ass. Like if somebody did that to me, I would probably tweet out all kinds of nasty <laughs> things too. But I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to coach football either. Well, and another thing he brought in Sarkeesian too. Saban did to help with Lane Kiffin. I mean, yeah, he was the untouchable too, and he brought him in yeah. to kind of I mean, assist and help out with that. The which, same season, the guy gets fired for, or within a year or whatever, yeah. the guy gets fired of, you know, drinking in the locker room or whatever. Right. So, so I mean, I he did he did go out of his way, I guess, to help. Kiffin, but at the same time, you, 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 you can only yeah you could only get ran down so much on the sidelines. Oh no, yeah. You start saying "f you." I, mean, I just I just wonder how much Kiffin feels like he owes him to some degree, and it may be one of those things that he doesn't really appreciate till twenty years down the road either. Um, but I think that's probably more likely. To but me, I, the signs of the job he took showed how bad he wanted out of there. That's what I was about yeah. to say. That's what like because I, I don't think he. I mean, yeah, the Houston thing fell through. Although I still feel like that was mostly Houston screwing up them and Riley. Um, and what was the other job he was up for for a little bit? He was up for another one. He was being – was it SMU? Or somebody better than where he went. I forget uh, now. He was deemed – Was it, it Southern Florida maybe? Maybe that's what it was. I don't maybe know. he was kind of in there with Strong. Somewhere he was deemed to be better. And then also the LSU offensive coordinator job was talked about. but That was in, the other big one. In post-talk, I've heard that that would have never happened, but I don't know if that's people just trying to look smart on the moment. But um, I don't know. So – to me, as far as the coaching, what do you guys see? You know, we only have two games to cover here, so we have a little more time. What the coaching difference? Well, here, here's one thing that I want to see. I, I want to see in this bowl game. Let's go back to the OSU coaching style that they had in the Cactus Bowl a couple of years ago, yes. and you have the, you know, the fat guy running for the big play mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Castleman. Yeah, it. creative play tackle. calls. Let's let's mix it up a little bit. Let's not just stick with the same vanilla game plan that we always have. Take some chances, do some stuff. I mean, this is what we said they should have done in the Bellum game. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they could do it in bowl games, but but not that. But let's do that. Be aggressive. That that's the main thing I want to see from OSU. You know, and and with Rudolph having such a bad game in Bellum, um, you know, we all agreed it, it was a terrible game for him. He he doesn't normally play like that. That was kind of an anomaly. I think you have to come out at the very beginning of this game and get him into rhythm real quick. And if you do that, I think he gets hot and he can he can lighten it up. Yeah. But I mean, I think right from the beginning, it needs to be a bunch of slants and things like that, quick passes to get him into a rhythm because he just in, in that Bellum game right from the beginning, he just looked out out of sorts. Yeah. And I think maybe that would help bring him back in because I'm sure I'm sure he's heard every media outlet. He's heard you know he's watched the film himself. I'm sure he's disappointed the way he played. I mean, there's no doubt he'd have to be. Yeah. So I think that would be very important. And then if you could do that, I think then Justice Hill is going to start. You know, it open up bigger holes for him to run through too. Is have you guys seen um, any confirmation on was there ever anything wrong with him in that game? As far as like, I don't want to be a person that just dismisses. Oh, people are making excuses. Like I, I because I've seen instances before where guys were hurt and we had no clue. Is do you think he just wasn't all there that day, or did he have issues with the? Was did he really have issues with wet balls a little bit, or did was his hand hurt, or just? I think he just had a bad game, man. Uh, the way everything that I've heard is Gundy kind of went up and covered for him during the post-game press conference saying, you know, throwing in the weather and all that stuff. I, yeah, his it, post-game press conference was crazy. It, it's never come out that he was injured or he was having trouble gripping the ball. It just – I think he just had a bad game. I don't know if the – you know, there was too much pressure or why not because he has struggled in big games in his, yes. mm-hmm. in his career. He hasn't been as 
But not like that. Yeah, not like that. That was awful. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Probably but. just a little bit of a perfect storm of being on the road in a, in a non-friendly environment, weather, not playing well. Probably didn't get off to a good start with those drops. Right. You know, probably just a little bit of everything, I would think. And, and I think that's where we're talking about where we were disappointed in the coaching aspect. At that point, you got to do something. Maybe get him outside the pocket, let him throw a deep ball, try to do something to get him – doing something different you can't you can't just keep calling the same play and expecting something different to happen i mean at that point you got tried to do something different and it just seemed like they didn't they weren't willing to do that it is that does that somewhat support the narrative that your sister's in over his head i don't i don't think it's so much your i think gundy restrains him and you kind of heard that that's awesome my fault <laughs> uh, if you look back at the uh, which game was it where you had the big touchdown pass to it was a kansas state game when uh Yersich was basically saying hey let's go deep let's go deep and he's like no that's a bad idea that's a bad idea he's like no come on let's let's do it okay go ahead and then they get the big touchdown play i think Yersich wants to be more aggressive than gundy actually gives him the chance to be because gundy he wants to be conservative he wants to get a lead and then run out the you know run out the clock let the defense do the work mm-hmm. so does he so this relationship is a little different than his offensive coordinators in the past? Then yeah, and I think that's that's why he hired Yersich because he didn't want the offensive coordinators like Holgerson and and Monken coming back and and fighting him off. Yeah, he wanted he wants to be kind of you know have control over everything. I get that, but to some degree, do you, do you feel like his arrogance could be his downfall? Because I mean, you saw how successful she was there with that with that well, setup. Well, my, my thing is is like I like his arrogance most of the time. But they're like in the, the Bedlam game, for example. He wasn't arrogant enough. Like I mean, he 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 basically changed his mentality because usually he's kind of like guns firing. You know, he he wasn't. He, he like seemed like he took a step back. Which I, I you know, I mean, Wrong whoever, time to do that. yeah, if you're if, mm-hmm. whoever you are, be who you are the entire time. Don't change because of one you know a, a certain game. I mean, I understand it was a big game, but that that shouldn't change. My, my thing was it felt like they changed who they were. Because it was a bigger game, mm-hmm. you don't do that. You you play you play your game, yeah, and make See, them stop you. And if they stop you, then then you adjust. That that's been my problem with Gundy for years is, I don't think he has enough of a killer instinct. Like he he's done just an amazing job to get OSU to where it's at. But I think to get the next step, you have to be willing to just step on somebody's throat. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he has that. Yeah, he hasn't ever really shown the ability to want to blow people out or no, anything like that. Because when yeah. when OSU was doing that, you had Holgerson and Malkin mm-hmm. who were just you know, two middle fingers raised in the air, and we're yeah. doing it my way. Yep. And, I mean, you see that in their coaching now, too. I yeah. mean, it, it clearly was a difference. Well, all that kind of leads up to this. Do you feel like Gundy – because I've kind of seen it, and I, to me I feel like – you know, I, I watch OSU pretty closely since I live here. But um, do you feel like I, people are being a little unfair? And some of the stories I've seen is he – the OU game is just further proof that he changes himself too much in big games. Do you feel like that's mostly – Oklahoma or Big 12 situational, or do you feel like he does that in anything? In a game like this, for instance, which I realize this isn't the biggest of well, games, but it's a good opponent. Well, I mean, if, <clears throat> if you could look at the, what he did at the Fiesta Bowl against Stanford, I mean, he went, they went out and, and flung the ball around quite a bit against Stanford, and he won the ball game. But, I mean, it just seemed, it just seemed like – Again, though, do you feel like that's Holgerson, or do you feel like well, that's, that's – that was, that was Munkin. Munkin oh, was that Munkin? Yeah. Okay. No, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean – I, 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 his mentality definitely did change in the Bedlam game. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you could just tell by the way his play calling. 
And but I'd be well, I guess it would sound like technically his playing calling, but I'm sure he has his hand in on it. Mm-hmm. But, but he's definitely tied in. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, I don't know. I mean, time will tell. I mean, I know he's been there ten years, but it's not like they've played seventy five huge ball games. Really? Yeah, it's, only, it was, it's only been a handful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, whether you want to like it or not, if you look at Oklahoma's talent and Oklahoma State's talent, Oklahoma, Oklahoma has had better better talent. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, so you're already going in behind the gun, but that means you got to open it up even more, in my opinion, not yeah. not just take a step back. Well, it's and, been several years that Texas was pretty good, too, and he's done pretty well in that series. So, right. you know, I don't know. It's it kind of hard for me to, to blindly say this was evidence he can't coach a big game. I don't know. It's just I've seen but that said. It, it seems to me though, like in the, in the Texas games, they're always Texas does stuff too that to, to screw it up yeah, for themselves. Yeah, those have been some weird yeah. games. In yeah. the, in the games that Gundy's lost to OU, they they've had chances to win, but there's always been one or one or two plays like a, a big punt return or something that the fake field goal in, in 2013, the long TD pass to yeah, the, just a fluke stuff where you know ball gets deflected and the guys. 10 yards behind everybody else. And yeah. you know, there's always been something like that that happens in the OU games that doesn't go the way for, for OSU. And to me, that's because OSU needs to start taking chances to create those opportunities for themselves. They right. don't take enough chances well, to do that. Even to your point, like in the uh, 13 game where Blake Bell, who basically was deemed as the third-string quarterback at that point, drives right down the field with I don't know, yes. like a minute 15 left and wins the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like OSU had a chance to take way more chances than I probably would have with a quarterback who was just – I mean, he hadn't done anything really since the Notre Dame game that year. Yeah, they didn't pressure so, him. Yeah, and they didn't come after him at all. So, I don't know. And that, that goes into the – for that game, I think if OSU doesn't hurt Trevor Knight, they won the game. <laughs> That's not – I can't deny that. That's a pretty good <laughs> possibility. Um, yeah, well, and another thing is, you know, with with the the Bellum games, he, he has been just a little bit holding back. It seems like, yeah. You know, I mean, there's no doubt, and I, I don't know what the reason for that is. I mean, I there could be a million different. Which but, I get, there's I, a lot of pressure in that. You got your brother on the other side. You both are legends at each school as far as playing there and coaching there. It's a little bit bigger for them than just a coach coming in from California. Yeah. So I get some of that, well, but well, all that being said, though, if if Mason goes out and plays an average game, not, not like, you know, a pathetic game like you put, put out there, but I mean, just average game that, that ball game is different. Mm-hmm, I mean, there's it. no doubt. I mean, he, he called some good, play, I mean, whoever called good plays and they just didn't make the plays. Yeah. There were drops. There was and... drops. There was terrible throws that were, you know, five yards over the guy's head that he'd be open. Mm-hmm. I mean, you make those plays all of a sudden you don't really look like you're holding back. I mean, you look like you're actually marching down the field, scoring and things, but so, I mean, it's kind of hard. It's kind of a two headed coin on that thing. Cause Rudolph's play in that game was so bad. It's it's hard to say. Well, Gundy was holding back. Well, he missed so many good throws that mm-hmm. were open. Mm-hmm. So if he hits those, it's all of a sudden it might be a totally different story we're talking about. Yeah. To to me, that game, or just the the coach from the coaching aspect of it, it all goes back to right before halftime. I when, agree. When you don't go for it, I agree. Yeah. I I was sitting there. I was watching the game with you're my talking dad. Talking about the punt. Oh, no, you're talking no, about right when they were down there on half, on 50-yard right, line. Okay, right yeah, before halftime, yeah. I'm sitting there telling my dad, I'm like, he's going to down it. I know this is – Gundy is going to take a knee. And it's just who he is. And while he didn't down it, he ran a, what, a draw play right, right up the middle that gets five yards or whatever and then lets Clockern out. Yeah, see, I turned to Brady when they got that bigger turn. And I was like, God dang it, we're screwed. They're going to go right down the field. And then they run that play and then down it. And I was like, what the well, you hell are you doing? I think there was 18 seconds left. And you have time. As OSU, you can throw – 
a deep ball. What happened? Oh, you intercepted on the ten yard line or whatever. Yeah, at least take a chance with your kicker too. Like if you can get kicked, I mean, you're yeah. right. What like your side of the field basically? Well, I was on the other end of the field, but and basically the forty something yard line. Matt Matt Amendola, he made a fifty plus yarder earlier in the year. I mean, granted the conditions on that day aren't favorable to that, but no. if you can get like a Give yourself chance forty yarder or a thirty five yeah. yarder. If you hit a deep post or something and it's like, like the twenty yard line, well, you're in business. And, and going into halftime in that situation in that game with a three point lead. That's huge mm-hmm. for OSU. Yeah. Well, and, and that could have been a turning point for Rudolph too. I mean, if he hits a big, a big throw right there, mm-hmm. all of a sudden his you know his mentality might change within one play. Yeah. And yeah. that's where being aggressive comes in. I yeah. think sometimes you just got to be aggressive, and I, I don't think that'll impact this game because for some reason they seem to be freer, looser in bowl games where. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he may just be like Mike. he has done a good job preparing for bowl games. I'll give yeah. him that. He'll be like Coach Ersich, have fun. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Yeah, I think I think all the pressure's off though. I mean, yeah. the, whether you win or lose, it doesn't. It's not like it's. Uh, well, clearly, most people aren't expecting them to win, so to some degree, they're an underdog. I and mean, Vegas has them an underdog. Well, yeah, but I mean, like realistically, <coughs> it does, it may help your momentum a little bit going the next year. But it's not like it's uh, the Big Twelve title on the line right. type thing. It, it's it's a lot more free, you know. And so, they, uh, I don't know. I, I'm with you though. I don't think that's going to affect this game. I feel like if you look at history. Gundy and the staff have done a good job at all the bowl games. They come out ready mm-hmm. to play. They came out with some kind of plays that you you haven't seen all year. They, they've done a good job of of you know doing things like that. So I'm I'm anxious to see what what they come up with because I know I'm not going to see just your normal. You're going to see some kind of trick play, I, I some kind of crazy <laughs> defensive tackle going out there for a pass. I, I want to see Vincent Taylor running the wildcat option personally. <laughs> I want to see him running the option that way he can he can he can pitch the ball too. Like that other that other defensive lineman in the in the backfield behind him that yeah. runs with him. Um, um, oh, what was I gonna say? So I mean, if I'm looking at this ball game, I think Oklahoma State should should win this ball game. I think they got enough talent and enough balance on offense. And like I said, I I just don't know about the Colorado quarterback. If he's 100 percent healthy, this is going to be a hell of a ball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a Phil go win either direction ball game. If he if he's partially banged up or as banged up as he was in the Pac-12 game, Oklahoma State should win this thing by at least two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. See, kind of a key to me. What what I wonder is. How does OSU show up for this bowl game? You're coming off the the disappointing loss in Norman, yeah. where Colorado hasn't been in a bowl game in you know nine years. Oh. They're going to be dying for this game. They're looking forward to this game. This is a big accomplishment to them. They're going to show up. So you know we've always talked bowl games showing up. That's a big deal. Has um, just off the top of your head, has Gundy fared pretty well after a loss? I know that's something that gets talked about and things like this. I'm not sure. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean they haven't lost a lot over the, the years, so I would think to some degree he does. But he does. I mean, I think he's done a pretty good job of bouncing back. Um, and then, like I said, the bowl game just seems to be more free as as a team. They seem to be loose and relaxed and ready to play. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm like I said, I'm expecting Oklahoma State not. I mean, it, it would shock me if they didn't show up to play this football game. Yeah. Now you know if Colorado shows up too and with a healthy quarterback and Colorado win by three points or something like that, that wouldn't shock me either. But I mean, I, I don't see Oklahoma State not showing up to play. That they haven't had a history of doing that. Yeah. So you know what's interesting? The the Alamo Bowl is actually kind of a hit or miss for OSU over the over the years. I think they're one and three in the game. And um, you go back to I, I believe it was two thousand three. This is the bowl game where they found mm-hmm. out that Les Miles was leaving. Mm-hmm. Then in in two thousand ten, they go and they. They win. They beat Arizona in Alamo Bowl, and that kind of set up 2011. Right. So, which way is this? You know, which way is this year going to go? Because you have all the all the question marks about Gundy. 
Well, I mean, this you're, you're right about one thing. This could be a good setup for Oklahoma State because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the talent that's come back next year, they're setting up, you know, plus the way their schedule's going to set up, they're setting up pretty good for, for a run next year. Now, you know, because, I mean, I think Rudolph's come I – mean, they should all come back. I don't see Rudolph leaving. And so, uh, th- you're right. This could be kind of like that little bitty kick to get them going for the start of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they all come back next year, they're going to be dangerous, um, especially with that schedule they're going to have. I just so. that that middle portion of the schedule next year kind of worries me when you have to go to Texas, go to West Virginia, and then you're playing Norman or OU and yeah, they, that kind of throws a wrenching thing. I forgot they re-switched that schedule around. That so. that's a tough run for any team. Yeah, but um, you make it through it, man. You're sitting pretty. Yeah, especially because you finish against Kansas State and Kansas. Yeah. In, in Stillwater. Any any scores you want to throw out there on this one? <clears throat> I'm thinking like 45 to 30, something like that. If I if I was guessing, damn. <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I like that one. Well, I mean, I, I mean, but that, like I said, that's all depending on the quarterback. I still don't think he's as healthy as people are saying. Because I mean, I he, he, I mean, he literally, <laughs> they, they literally had to pick him up off the ground, and he would have to limp, barely make it back to the huddle and back to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I don't think you can recover a hundred percent from that. Yeah, that that's not. That's not just like a little little tweaked ankle or something. That's mm-hmm. serious. O- OSU's traditionally struggled against. Any type of running quarterback. So if he can't do that, you're you're probably right. Because I don't know what the backup can do, but from what I've seen or what I've read, it's not very much. No, <laughs> not at this point. Anyways. That reminds me real quickly. I know. Sorry, I know we didn't really get to talk about Bedlam because we were off for so long. But um, kind of, and that's why we spent so long on that. But kind of in that uh, ilk of passing offenses, how how has OSU done against Texas Tech style offenses like in recent years? Because this, I'm telling you, it's like watching 2007 Texas Tech when they're on. It's always been a shootout. Yeah, well, they they get shredded for yards, definitely, and come up with turnovers. Yeah. I mean, that's the game plan. Bimba don't break type mentality. Yeah, we'll give you the yards, but we're but once you get down by the goal line, you have to make some plays. Someone's gonna make a play. Yeah, that's way it's always been in the past. Now, I mean, but this quarterback to me is not like a Mahomes or somebody. No, he, he's he, not. He does it. But... He, does, he doesn't fling the ball around like that. Mm-hmm. He uses his legs a lot more. Which, I mean, granted, that, that's one of his tools. But but that that bubble screens, the short slants, and real quick—that's what they run, and they run it well, and they run it fast. So well, that's why I was curious as to when they're on. Now they they do fine against those. Really, where OSU's defensive weaknesses are to me. Tight ends across the middle, anything across the middle, the the linebacking core is not very good at covering. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can somehow get Richards one on one on somebody, if you can get a good matchup on a receiver there, go deep. He's either going to get an interception or give up a touchdown. That's true. <laughs> the guy that makes a player, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Real quickly, the gifts on this game. <clears throat> if I can look at the right one here. Uh, Oh, this one's not too bad. I forgot that's what this one is. Uh, you get an Apple wa- uh, Nike Watch. Apple Watch Nike. They said that backwards, maybe. I'm not sure. It's basically like a Apple Watch Apple, Sport yeah. version. Okay. I've never seen that, I guess. Um, uh, you get a $110 Best Buy gift card. You get a My Charge portable charger, which I personally think is a great gift. Everybody should have a portable charger. Um, a team panoramic photo and a mini helmet. And I don't know if the mini helmet's an Alamo Bowl helmet or what that would be, so... Uh, no blowing girls in this one, unfortunately, for OSU. Oh. So, um, anything else you want to add to that one? Yeah, my uh, my score probably be 38-35 OSU. Okay, all right. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl is set. TCU's going to take it. Click the wrong button there. Um, so, 38-35 OSU. I don't know. I, I kind of think it might go a little bit little bit more than that. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of look for like a 41-31 kind of game. I kind of think OSU will win by 10. Somewhere like that. I don't know. I not 
if Colorado's, if I knew his quarterback was healthier, I think it would be a very, very tight game. Yeah, too. Um, I think it's, and I, I'm telling you guys, I think I said this in the previous show. I just think OSU's got better athletes across the board. They've been recruiting better. They got better players. Uh, they got more playmakers by far, in my opinion. And, and Colorado's more just a really good, sound team uh, that does its job, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Right. I just think if they got into somewhat of a shootout capacity, they don't have the athletes to keep up. In my I feel. Opinion. I feel like. I will say this about Colorado's coaching staff. I feel like they maxed out what they got. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give them all the credit in the world for, for the type of talent they had and what they did with it. They maxed out what they got, and, mm-hmm. and they they should be you know congratulated on that. Because I mean, that's that's one thing. That's that's a sign of a good coaching staff is whatever you got, you got the most out of them. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they did. They, they they did a lot more with this talent than I think anybody thought they were capable of doing. So I mean, yeah. kudos to them. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, any final thoughts on that game? I know you guys. Anything else you want to say about OSU or anything? Okay, sorry guys. I know we didn't really get we didn't really get a chance to dive into Bedlam, and that's the last time we saw OSU play. So that's kind of where that led to kind of discuss some of what we can look forward to them on the next game. Uh, going into this last team's performance, TCU, man, I, it's just really hard to feel good about them in their last two games. Um, I know they beat Texas, but. You know, let, let, let's be clear. It wasn't just – they didn't beat them soundly by any means. Um, and then OSU beat them like a drum in Fort Worth. So, that was their second-to-last game, wasn't it? Yes. yes. Game, yeah. Um, and and they're playing Georgia, who – I don't know. I mean, I, I think Kendall coined it pretty well. These two teams were just major disappoint, disappointments. Um, maybe I didn't – maybe I, I underplayed Boykin a little bit and what he would mean for this team. And and you gotta you know you can look back to the beginning of the year with the injury to um, uh, Turpin mm-hmm. and all that and although I felt like personally they I don't I don't know him well enough as a receiver I felt like they could have got a little more out of White I kind of consider him like a Turpin Jr. I feel like maybe the offense didn't quite get creative enough with him when they could have and when they needed him to um, you know we we've seen some some positives out of TCU this year but we've seen a lot of negative I really thought. You know, my you know seeing them at the end of last year against and maybe that was it. My last image of them. I was in Norman when they played OU, and it came down to Pat, uh, Parker basically batting down a, a two point conversion to win the game. I thought, man, this team's gonna be really good next year. I mean, they're really solid across the board. They were doing that still with some injuries. I thought, man, they had all these injuries. They're gonna be back and rolling. We saw what they had done recruiting. They had made some noise in recruiting. Um, you know, I just I really expected more out of this team this year and. You know, as a whole, which I know we'll, we'll go back and do our, our, you know, our yearly breakdowns of these teams. But <clears throat> I don't know, just kind of you guys is what you've taken from them, and what you kind of look for them in this game to do, and what you think they might be good at, or what they can expose. And then we'll kind of dive into Georgia a little bit. Well, as far as TCU, I, I, I was, I was kind of disappointed with what they did this year. I, I really expected their defense to be a lot better because I mean Gary Patterson historically, you know, whether their offense has been great or not, historically the defense has been pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like this year they would show flashes for two drives of being pretty good and then just kind of fall apart for a drive. Mm-hmm. And and that was really uncharacteristic for a team of his. They're usually well coached, in the right place, do the right thing. And it just seemed like this year they couldn't get anything going defensively, mm-hmm. which really surprised me. You know, that, that's, yeah. that's been their calling card for, for as long as Patterson's been there. And it's not like they were devoid of talent. I mean, they had some pretty good players in the defensive line and linebackers. Um, I don't have their roster in front of me, and I'm terrible with names. You all know that. I have to pull it up. But – their defensive linemen and their linebackers, pretty solid players. And their secondary was okay. I mean, by Big 12 standards, it was perfectly capable. 
Um, you know, like I told you guys back in August, to me this year is the worst I've ever seen this conference at corner. They were a little better than the average, I felt like, to some degree. Going into the season now, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I just kind of expected them to do a little more. As far as what they're good at, what do you guys feel like they can – what they're going to try to do to Georgia? Defensively, I think they got to put pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, that young quarterback they have, Easton. Easton, yeah. You know, he, I think he's going to be a good talent in the future. But right now he's still a freshman. And so, I mean, if you can get after him early mm-hmm. and, and make him make a few dumb mistakes or be, have happy feet or something like that, I think it'll really pay off throughout the ball game. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be one of the main keys as far as defense. I mean, and, and they have nothing to lose here. If I was Gary Patterson, I would bring a blitz from just about any direction quite a few different times, try, trying to shake the kid up a little bit. Yep. And, I mean, that, that would be my game plan defensively going into it. And if, you're, if you get burnt, you get burnt. I mean, but I mean, try try to make something happen. <clears throat> See, and I agree. I think you have to one stop the run. You know, George is definitely going to try to establish some type of running game. Yep. Then on obvious passing downs, get after him. Yeah. You've you've got to get after him. Try to make him. You know, force a couple of turnovers. It's Chubb's playing this, right? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. is, it is for yeah. sure. Okay. I, th- I thought so. I just and and again, Georgia. I mean, they. God, they're probably better than Oklahoma the last five or six years of producing running backs. Yeah. I mean, they. And they've got well, – they have two right now. And they've got a couple behind them. they got one behind them they recruited that them and Oklahoma went together for really hard. Um, Whaley, I think was his name. I have to remember now. I can't remember where he Devil ended Whaley. up. Devil Whaley. I think that was him. Did he end up at Arkansas? I, I think he ended remember. up at Arkansas. Okay. Who was the – there was another one they went for together. Oh, the kid from Texas. Um, I can't remember his name now. But he uh, he's a really good running back too, really highly recruited kid. And then there's one in between him and Chubb that's really good too. Sonny Michelle? Or? Oh, Sonny Michelle. Yeah, Sonny Michelle. Yeah, he's pretty good too. So I mean, they they've got um, they've got really good running backs, and that's one thing that after seeing the OSU game kind of makes me a little nervous. Right. Because uh, that's, that's this is kind of the game we're we're talking about. They're looking to use this game as a springboard into next year, and it was huge for them. Both running backs came out and announced they're coming back for next year. Mm-hmm. So that this is more of a kind of an anomaly year for for Georgia, maybe more so than TCU in my opinion, mm-hmm. where they're looking. We're going to rebound from this 500 season or whatever, and we're going to go and win the SEC East next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kirby Smart's still holding it down in recruiting, so they're not going anywhere yet. Right. But I, I really expected more from Georgia, too. Um, you know, defensively, they haven't been juggernaut by any means, but, you know, being that that's his calling card, I feel like they'd be pretty good. I feel like TCU can expose them defensively. They just don't do anything really well, I feel like. Well, and, um, and both their linebackers, uh, Georgia linebackers, have been pretty banged up. So mm-hmm. they're starting linebackers. So I mean, if they get them back for this game, that'd be a big help for Georgia. But if not, that that might give uh, you know TCU a lot better advantage as far as running up the middle and do things like that because they, I know they're pretty banged up right now in mm-hmm. the linebacker quarter. Yeah, I, I don't know. I this one is really tough for me to judge because TCU. I feel like they're both gonna. I feel like both teams are gonna kind of hurt themselves, and it's almost kind of like who hurts themselves the least. When you come out of this, I feel like they're going to have a shot to get Easton, uh, Jacob Easton, the quarterback. If you don't know much about him, he was a really highly recruited five star, best quarterback in the country. Most people consider him probably the number one player in the last class, depending on what you value more. Um, and he's showing signs. The kid's built like if if I was going to build a quarterback in a lab, he'd yeah. look like Jacob Easton. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the kid is impressive. Just, uh, I mean, impressive physically. He's going to need to put on more weight, but for the most part, he's really solid. Um, He's got a great arm, but is again you can get him frustrated. I've seen his decision making. I've seen him. I think I've seen Georgia play about three times this year. Uh, most recently, I think it was against North Carolina there at the end of the year. Um, and he, 
you know, made some plays downfield to get him in position. He, he started showing some signs, but I just don't know that he's going to change that much in three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Um, I kind of look for TCU to be able to get after him. The the one big key, though, Georgia's offensive line isn't too bad at times. Like, I've seen him be pretty good. I've also seen him be bad. I think as a whole, they play okay. So it'll be, you know, can TCU get enough pressure on them? All right. So, and then run blocking, they're really good. I mean, they, they can run block like nobody's business. So, well, and another thing I think is going to is Colin's favorite player, Kenny Hill. I mean, wh- which guy shows up? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so jackal and high. I mean, at times it's like, man, this kid is amazing. And then other times you're like, what the hell is that? So, I mean, it, it's, it's, I know, I mean, we talked about it many times. If he can make plays and not make the dumb plays, TCU's got a really good chance to win this ballgame. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, can he do that? I mean, that's to me, that's the biggest question mark. Yeah, and this game, for me, it sets up as kind of the prototypical he's going to do something to screw it up game. Yeah. I think this this is one of those games that's decided on a on a turnover and maybe a couple from him. See, that's what I had in mind when I – like, I think both these teams are going to give the ball away at least a couple times probably. Um, honestly, I think it could be one on the ground for either team. You know, but to me, TCU hasn't quite shown the commitment to Hicks I would like to have seen to really feel comfortable about them going in and using him like they should. Um, and I don't know that he's good enough. I mean, you know, they may not be the best defense in the world, but keep in mind – Georgia still has SEC athletes running around on the defensive side of the ball. And right. They're pretty good. They're pretty big, and they're pretty fast. So he's going to be running against some athletes like he hasn't seen all year. Um, so I, you know, I, I mean, Texas—they're comparable at talent and linebacker and stuff like that. But you know, they're not playing very well as a unit either. So well, and Texas had given up at that point in the season too. Yeah, I mean, they could say true. all they want to, but yeah, they had given up. Yeah, and and they just—I mean, I couldn't really expect more much no. else out of them. Those players have been through so much this last year. Um, but yeah, I mean that's about the only place comparable he's going to have seen this much talent at linebacker and things. So I don't. To me, would you guys like to see more of a? And I know how we felt about two quarterback systems on the show. So let me explain. Would you guys like to see more of a Foster Sawyer, um, kind of in the park at Iowa State role and Kenny Hill more in the um, landing you know, landing role um that we've seen here lately with you know you kind of more of a run offense with them do you think that would help TCU get more out of what they've got or do you feel like they just need to stick with one single caller I my opinion you, you stick with Hill I mean even though he's up or down he gives you the best chance to win a ball game I mean, because he he can make the explosive play with his legs he can make it with the arm he, he but I mean don't get me wrong he can make the dumb play the cost you game too but to me he gives you the best overall chance to win the ball game as far but you know that all depends on some of his decision making too. But if you're talking about athletically wise, he's the guy that can win you the ball game, in my opinion. I agree, hundred percent. It's not anything against Sawyer, but I just, I mean, if you're talking about, and I have a feeling that they're more than likely Georgia's going to score some points on the ground, so they're going to have to score some points too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Sawyer can be the guy that can get you the points, whereas Hill, I think, can make the big explosive play to help you to help turn the ball game around. Well, that's that's kind of a little bit what I'm getting at, though. Like <clears throat> we we see both sides of Hill. If you have Sawyer in there to some degree to keep it stable, because we know Sawyer's at least somewhat you know steady, consistent. He doesn't go crazy. He's not going to make a huge play, but he usually doesn't hurt you for the most part. Um, do you feel like if you if he's in there some, that takes less chances away from Hill to screw up? I guess it, is kind of what I'm getting at. It does, but it limits the offense also. I, mean, I, I understand that. But I'm saying like if they're only going to score two or three times a game and Hill's in there, when you need them to be, do you feel like they would get more out of that system? I guess you try to try trying to take the best of Hill and the best of him and put them together, and hope that you can get down a field through four quarters without screwing up. But you still get the playmaking from Hill to some degree. Do you feel like that would work for them? 
I mean, if they could figure out a way to make that happen, that'd be great. I just, I just don't know. I'm not sold on Sawyer. Well, I'm not hundred either, but to me, it's so hard to have a two quarterback system because I mean, mm-hmm. you just, it's just so damn hard. I mean, you start getting momentum going one direction and then it changes, you know? So, I mean, I, to me, I, I almost always against a two quarterback system unless it's a specific thing like with the belldozer at OU where whenever OSU had JW Walsh, you get down by the goal line and you bring in that quarterback that can run and pass that that's a little bit different system. But mm. if you're talking about on an 80 yard drive, bringing in one guy and then bringing in another guy, I, I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just wondered because I know some people, I, I've seen a lot of people be pro Sawyer, pro Hill, especially as things have gotten worse at TCU. So I didn't know if maybe meshing both of them you thought might work well. Yeah, see, I think Sawyer's going to end up actually even transferring from there. I don't think – I think the quarterback they're bringing in with this recruiting class is going to be the quarterback of the future once mm-hmm. Hill's gone. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame him for that. He's yeah. getting ready to be – he's going to basically get no career there if no. he doesn't. So, um, so you guys feel like TCU has a chance of stopping Georgia's run game? I don't know. I mean, they, they have if, if they play up to it, they can. Yeah, well, I mean, and really their game scenario may, it, like I was saying, blitz Easton and everything. Their scenario might be to make Easton beat you, like 100% focus on the run, leave your guys one-on-one, and try and make him beat you. I mean, that might be their best scenario because, I mean, Georgia, obviously their best their best part of their offense is the run game. Mm-hmm. You know, and, to, I mean, to me, that's what it's supposed to come down to. Can, can they stop? Can they contain it a little bit? I mean, obviously Chubb's going to get some yards. Mm-hmm. But can they – Stop the make him go four yards a, a carry type thing instead of you know a thirty yarder here a forty yarder here. They can stop the big plays and limit that. Then I think they got a chance to win a ball game. If right away Georgia's on first down, basically averaging six or seven yards, it's, you're screwed. Yeah, right? it's, you're, it's, I don't know yeah, what you're going to do. Exactly. Um, you've got to get them in third and long, and you've got those defensive ends for TCU that should have played much better than they did this year. They got to get after the passer. I, mean, I know TCU hasn't really had a great pass rush all year, but um, we've seen flashes of it in Oklahoma. They got to Mayfield, um, Texas game. I think it was they. Yeah, I think it was Texas game. They got back in the backfield quite a bit. Um, I just they've got to do that. I, to me, if they don't get any pressure on Easton, Easton's really good. If you can let it, I don't say really good. He's good player. He's he can handle things decently well at this point in the season, his freshman year. If you can't confuse him and get after him. So I think they're going to have to somewhat play games with him and get after him a little bit. Because, I mean, like I said, the kid's super talented. If you let him just basically sit back there and think there's no fear of anything, I mean, he could hurt you. So you've got to get out. And like I said, he's really good down. He's got a big arm. He can go downfield. Um, but by but if you force him to beat you, he can't do it. Well, one thing I'm anxious to see is, has Gary Patterson came up with a game plan on the defense to change things up a little bit? Because they just haven't been playing Gary Patterson defense. Has, has this three-week off been something that he's – may chase some guys around, came up with a different type of scheme a little bit or something to change things up. Because if they go in playing defense like they did against Oklahoma State, it is going to be a long day mm-hmm. for TCU. Chubb, Chubb is going to put up some big numbers. See, I wonder, too, you know, this kind of offense, I would think, plays to him and his schemes and what he would like to do a little better um, with what they've got on the field because he's not having to be – they're not going to spread you out super thin and just try to throw all day on you. They're a more conservative pro-style offense. Um, Easton does play from the shotgun some. You know, it still is college football. But, um, you know, for the most part, I, I feel like I feel like if there's an offense that they can really take a good shot at, it would be this one. I feel like they could – and they've got – I mean, Georgia – TCU has players. They're not – that's what that's what's so confusing about this. They're not terrible on the defensive side of the ball especially, and they still just did not produce this year. But – to that, you know, to that being said, a lot of offenses spread them thin and made them really do something. So, 
you know, and, and they did win games. I mean, they're in a bowl game, obviously. So it's not like they were just all bad. But I just, I just think we were stunned by what they turned out to be this year. Um, I think a lot of people were. I didn't see really anybody just saying they were barely going to be bowl eligible. So, I mean, I think the worst prediction I saw all year was like 8-4 and four going into the year. So I, don't, I think I kind of thought they would finish about third or fourth in the league, to be honest. Right, and if so, they lose this game, this will be the third losing season Patterson's hat as the head coach. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of tells you where they are under him. And, and, you know, maybe we, I don't know, maybe looking back into this, we just didn't give Boykin enough credit. I mean, we've all said he's an incredible quarterback, don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, where would they be if he wasn't there the last two years? That's This this, this year's really kind of made me question that. Well, the difference between him and Hill are basically they have the same type of athletic ability. It's just that Boykin didn't make the the – the dumb mistake that was like, how could you make that throw? Yeah. You know, he, he eliminated those. He said the explosive plays like Hill can do, but he had, he didn't do that. You know, the dumb play. I feel like Boykin played with a little more confidence in himself too, though, than yeah. Hill does, which I mean, I guess that could lead to the fact that he turns the ball over a lot, but I don't know. I just feel like Boykin took more charge. You know, this is my offense. This is my team. I'm going to go. And you don't really get, I don't get that from Hill. Like, I don't feel like he's, uh, you know, the leader commander in chief for that, that offense as much. Um, so, yeah, that'd be interesting to watch. You know, Turpin, I would think, should be pretty healthy by that. I would think so, too. Year. I mean, he's had, what, six, seven weeks of being able to play and get healthy, I would think, something like that. So, And you know, and he might be a guy that can get over the middle on those linebackers. and You know, they're banged up or they have new guys in there that have played very much. Mm-hmm. He might be able to get in there, you know, on some quick passes there and be able to break a couple for some long mm-hmm. runs. Well, Turpin has that kind of speed and shiftiness. I don't care who you're playing. He's going to be a problem. So, I mean, and, and White, like I said, I think he is too. I don't know. Maybe he's not a great pass catcher. Uh, I'd be curious for TC fans, TCU fans who might know to let us know. I've seen him play most of their games this year, and I just, I've just i seen him catch some balls. I've seen him, you know, they've used him a little bit. You know, if nothing else, jet sweeps, things like that. Kind of like uh, Missouri used to use Macklin to some degree. You know, use a speed. If you can't get him to catch the ball, use him, you know, in other ways. But Well, the, well, the one thing about, like, a SEC defense, it's going to be hard going east to west. I yeah, mean, that you're, is true. You're, you're going to have to hit north and south pretty quick. That is, that's true. We're going to get into that in the OU Auburn game next show, too, because that's definitely going to be an interesting thing in that game. Um, but, yeah, it I, to me, if TCU shows up with their playmakers, they, they've got a chance. But I just – to me, I'm, I'm going to go Georgia. I don't think TCU can beat them. I think Georgia's just got a, a little more right now. Um, I just don't trust Kenny Hill. I think he's going to turn the ball over a few times. But I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, to me, it's going to be a closer ball game. I don't see it being, a, a, you know, a big win either direction. I think it's a touchdown ball game at most either direction. But I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Georgia that ball get with with running the ball, controlling the clock a little bit more, and then like you said, it, will Hill make that dumb mistake, which we see him do quite a few times. If he if he doesn't, then TCU's right in the middle of this ball game. Mm-hmm. But if he does, I I'm leaning towards Georgia because I think they control the clock. Chubbs, you know, if if they if they get him to the second level, I, I don't know what what TC is going to do. So I mean, I I feel like I give them a leg up mm-hmm. in this game. Well, on our our last show, I told there were a couple of Big Twelve games that I didn't feel confident in them winning. This is one of them. I think yeah. I'm going Georgia as well. Yeah, I could see the I could legitimately see the Big Twelve doing like four and two or something like that. I think that's why we pretty I, much. I, yeah, I kind of think I kind of think this would be one they'll probably lose. Um, you know, the Baylor game. <laughs> you know well this but, one reminds me of the Baylor game because you just you really don't know I mean like you don't know what you're going to get that's mm-hmm. that's what makes it so hard to pick these games because TCU at times look like a really good football team and then at times they look really bad mm-hmm. so I mean that's what's so hard about like Baylor game in this game is 
you don't really know what the hell they're going to do from from mm-hmm. one possession to the next possession. Yeah. The, the other school, at least you have an idea what they're going to do. And what you're counting on under Patterson that you've come to know to be truth for so many years doesn't really seem to be there either. That's correct. You can't just hang your hat on this defense and hope they can get it. At least like in 14 when they were really bad, you know, uh, when, you know, Trevon Boykin might have been the worst quarterback I ever saw in the Big 12 that year. Um they their defense was just you know still good. Right. I mean they still forced a lot of teams to play tough games. This you can't say that about this team. They haven't shown that. And they given up a lot of big plays, which you don't hardly ever see out of Gary Patterson. Mm-hmm. You know they, normally they're really sound. You know they they you can catch the ball in front of them, they're gonna make a tackle. Mm-hmm. Well this year you catch the ball in front of them and they miss a the tackle and it's going forty yards. And it's and just a, it's different. A thing I've seen too a lot. They've even had guys in position that just get beat a lot. Like at least with Oklahoma to some degree you can say well we can fix it. Guys are out of position maybe. This team, I've seen guys just straight up get beat a lot, and you know this, and they're not going to be facing any less athlete this week than they would have been, you know, right. some of their better Big Twelve games. So, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of think Georgia's probably going to win this game. I, if nothing else, for no other reason than I feel like Chubb could probably handle this game pretty well by himself. Him and Sony Michelle, I think, will probably run for quite a few yards. I'm still amazed that both these teams are at Liberty Bowl. <laughs> I really am. I, I, I would not pick either one of these teams to be at Liberty Bowl. Yeah, uh, there's your mini helmet. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, so it's, it's like a mini OSU helmet. Yeah, it's team-based. That would make sense. I've seen that in some other ones, too. I wasn't sure. Um, real quickly, this is the Campus Insiders preview. I kind of wanted to let us get our picks out of the way so you guys didn't think maybe we were falling in line with all of them. So we'll throw that out there, and you guys can listen to this one. we got Georgia, and we've got a preview. It's Bull Nanza, only on Campus Insiders. We start with the Horned Frogs and their X Factor, the entire defense. Can the D be anything less than awful? It hasn't been consistent this year and has not been up to Gary Patterson's normal standards of high standards of great defense. DCU shows up in bowls, though. This has got to be Kenny Hill's coming out party on offense. He's going to have to make up for that bad D with a huge performance. And for Georgia, it's going to be all about Jacob Eason. Now, this running game should work. It should be all right. But Eason's got to carry the offense a little more than he has throughout the year. He's still just a true freshman, but he's had a full year of experience under his belt. This is going to have to be his breakthrough moment. The signal of big 2017 is about to come. My prediction, I'm going with Georgia in this game. TCU's just been too flaky all year long. I know they're great in bowl games under Gary Patterson, but I think Georgia is going to make a big statement under Kirby Smart. I think the defense is going to have a big performance. The SEC is going to have a nice win. I'm Pete Futak. Check out all. So that's that's the kind of their prediction. Colin, you got an idea what you want to throw out score prediction-wise? Uh, not especially. I'd say it's a, you know, a field goal difference. I don't have a score that I really want to go with on this one. Well, I mean, to me, I, if I was picking a score, I want to say something like – 28 to 20 28 21 something like that I don't, I don't see i don't see i don't see a huge scoring output mm-hmm. by by either team yeah see i was kind of leaning like 28 24 so i kind of think tcu will probably do that or uh, george will probably win that one uh th- that clip reminded me of a question do you guys think uh, kenny hill do you think this is kenny hill do you, like he said he he's it's time to have his cutting out party do we know what kenny hill is or do you think there is another a better to him, or is this just him? Is well, this what he's going to be? I mean, judging by what we've seen all season, this is just him. But I mean, if he could figure out a way to not make the dumb play, he would be a very good quarterback. I mean, well, he's got all the tools and all the explosiveness to do it. It just he makes that couple of those decisions. You're like, what the hell is he doing there? You mm-hmm. know, and that, that costs him every time. This was the same Kenny Hill that we saw at Texas A&M. He was brilliant, and then he was awful. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, awful. Brilliant, awful. 
I mean, this is this is who he is, in my opinion. Like, there came to a point, as Oklahoma fans, we had to say that about Trevor Knight. Like, there was, yeah. after the Alabama game, and then some good games and some, some plus sides, he beat Tennessee. You know, there was hope that, you know, he could be what you saw him at on his high side, and it just never produced, whether it be injuries, play calling, and a factor of all kinds of things. But he always threw that bad turnover. There'd be a pick six or whatever the case may be. I feel like that's kind of what we're going to end up being like with Kenny Hill. Like, what could have been had he ever put it together, but he never did. Like, I think that's probably what it's going to be. And I don't – I hate to say that for TCU fans because, obviously, the, the plus side of it looks tremendous. But it's just you're never going to win games when you're giving the team the, the ball that much or just flat out not making plays like you need to. I, I will say this. If if Easton were coming out and have a hell of a ball game, they're right. This is going to – Camp Insider is right. This is going to be a good springboard into the future because with that weak SEC East, they could go on a road run next year and, mm-hmm. and dominate the SEC East. I mean, you know, if the kid, you know, has one of those games where all of a sudden it's like it clicks and then he has a great, you know, spring and everything, it might really be big coming into fall next year. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, he gives the ball up a lot like, um, you know, like Hill does. He'll, he's got eight picks to only 14 TDs this year. So, I mean, he's not, it's not prone to, to have a, just a clean game. So, yeah, yeah. We'll see what he does. But you're talking about an 18 year old kid too. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, may, you know, Everybody hits the switch at some point. He may finally hit it in this game and be fine. He's had three weeks to kind of go back and look. That's what's good about these bowl games. You kind of get a break to look at what you've been doing wrong and fix it. So, you know, he may find, and he may just find something in this TCU defense he can just exploit. I don't know. Well, really, from a coaching point of view, that's the best part about bowl games is getting that three weeks of practice, correct things, see some of your younger guys play a little bit. I mean, that's that to me, that's the best part of it. You know, unless you're playing for national title or in a playoff, that's a totally different scenario. But just your regular old bowls, I mean, this – this is a very. This is what's good about about this is because you you actually get some time out there with these kids extra that you don't normally get. Mm-hmm. Um, real quickly, their uh, gifts are the Bass Pro Shops shopping trip. I don't know for how much. I would imagine probably like three hundred dollars or something like that. Uh, Oculus Pro Team HD binoculars, a Belova watch, Nike athletic shoes, sport sandals. I think that's also Nike. It's hard to say how they're writing that. Uh, backpack and sunglasses. Yeah, I think all that's Nike. Shoes, sports, sandals, and backpack and sunglasses, and then a football. So not too bad going to Liberty Bowl. You get, yeah. you get quite a bit of gear there. So um, it makes it for some easy Christmas presents for family members, I'm sure, too. Um, anything else you guys want to throw into this one? No. No, I, I really don't know what to expect in this game. No, I don't. I mean, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be stunned whatever happens. <laughs> Unless, like, TCU came out and whipped them by, like, 40 points, I'd probably be stunned then. But other than that, like, I just don't really see. And because if Easton was to, to go off on them, that wouldn't shock me as much. But if TCU was to just go out and blow them out, that would really shock me, shock me. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You know, it's 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 big for both teams, especially recruiting. Both have recruits that are big, and some are hanging on barely. And, you know, it's going to be an important game for both of them. Um, real quickly, this is what the twenty sixth. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably back when. Oh, you play the, the second. I, don't know, I need a calendar. What is today's? What Wednesday? Tuesday? Monday? Today's Monday. So we'll probably. What do you guys want to do? Probably like Thursday this week or Friday this week. Something like that's fine. Yeah. So we'll probably we'll probably be back like the 29th, I would say something like that. Look for our final little bowl preview. Um. Then we'll kind of come back. I would imagine we'll probably come back the next week and, and kind of review the Big 12 as a whole wait, to some degree wait, wait, wait. or the playoff positioning and all that. 29th is a no-go. OSU plays at night. Oh, they are, don't know, they? Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. out. We yeah, may, we'll we may, figure some schedule out. We may have to do it over the weekend, like the 31st or something. Oh, that's New Year's Eve. Probably don't want to do that. 
We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, I'm off early that next week too for a couple of days, so we can do whatever. Um, but anyway, we'll get there. We'll get that back to you as soon as we know. Um, you know, and then we'll kind of. I guess you guys are probably going to cover the playoff and championship at some point too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll kind of take stock of what happened this year and going forward. And then I would like to get into recruiting in a couple of weeks. So we're going to have kind so, of a final team review for each team. Yeah, just kind of what we thought. You know, obviously, like with TCU, we don't think they lived up to what they should have been. But some teams, where we thought they ended up, should they have been, and what's going forward could happen. Obviously, Texas is always lying back there. People want to know what's going on with them. So, um, anyway, we'll be back uh, probably, I don't know, less than a week or so, I would think, guys. And um, until then, everybody stay safe. Have a good New Year if we don't hear from you before then. And until everybody else, until then, everybody else stay bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Yep, see you guys.